again, I think as a manager, if you're really true to yourself, actually success is allowing people to move on beyond your team, right? So someone once said to me, perception is reality. And I would honestly say, actually, hand on heart, the hardest transition, which I guess is part of the reason that you've got a podcast on this topic, Marvin, is going from an individual contributor to a manager. So that, that there was no feedback, actually. And, and that was on me, right? That, that's my mistake because you're responsible for your own development. Welcome to the New Tech Lead Podcast. We help you to be more confident leaders by avoiding the traps of inexperience and gain perspectives from leaders in tech, unlike theoretical videos. I appreciate you here today. Let us bring more leadership skills to the business. Let's roll the interview. Today, my guest is Dale Payne, Enterprise Sales Manager at Adobe. He's Head of Adobe Science Sales Division for Northern Europe, Middle East, Asia, and Africa. In his seven years at Adobe, he won numerous awards like Top 3 Sales Performer EMEA, Top 5 Sales Performer Worldwide, and is now manager for two and a half years. Welcome, Dale. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. For people who don't know who you are, can you introduce yourself and tell a little bit of the story about you and we go from there? Sure thing. Yeah, no problem. Um, so my name is Dale Payne. I work at Adobe, as you said, heading up the Northern European, Middle Eastern and African business for Adobe Sign, which is our fastest growing product globally. Um, been at Adobe around seven and a half years, which is a little bit scary. Um, I came from Oracle. So Oracle was my first true tech gig. Um, and my first job out of university was for a company called Capita, a UK-based a UK uh, business process outsourcer. Uh, and I worked in their software testing uh, and QA division. So that was, uh, I suppose, more services-based, but did give me some exposure to the technology world. Um, so, yeah, it kind of only seems like yesterday that I did my assessment day for Capita. Um, and, uh, yeah, here we are nearly... Got 11 years in, I kind of, I feel a little bit old, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that's astonishing. That is an astonishing way. What does it take to actually, um, and I'm glaring at these top three sales performer EMEA award and the top five sales performer worldwide award. Um, Adobe is a big tech company. They're probably a huge amount of high performers. What does it take to join the Olymp of high performer individuals? Sure, so uh, you know, hands up, that is segmented within the sort of document cloud business, right? So uh, that doesn't necessarily include our, our other two clouds that, that Adobe operate in. So yeah, don't give me too much uh, <laughs> kudos on those awards perhaps, but uh, yeah, look, regardless, right? Everybody in sales wants to do their number, they wanna do the right thing. So I think awards, are. Uh, are always nice to receive, right? Some recognition for the for the hard work that you you put in. Um, for me, I mean, look personally, I definitely don't profess to be the, the most intelligent individual. In fact, probably quite far from it. But I do actually pride myself on my organisation um, and willingness to put in the hours. So I'm fairly structured. Some may say a little bit OCD, perhaps. Um, I'm definitely willing to put in the hours um, and I'm quite you, structured so, in my approach. Sorry to interrupt. Can you shortly explain what OCD stands for? 
uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. And that's primarily focusing on being very structured and to some people, uh, statistically speaking, overstructured and sometimes destructive structured. <laughs> so uh, again, disclaimer, I mean, OCD is a medical condition and it's probably not something that I should joke about. I kind of say it in jest, but um, you know, that is a uh, an actual medical condition and, and not one that I believe that, that I have. I guess it's a bit of a throwaway term that, that certainly in the UK, many people use for someone that's very, I guess, yeah, structured, possibly overly organized, you know, possibly neat and tidy as an example. So I'm really butchering probably the actual description of what OCD is. <laughs> so yeah, please, no medical advice from, from me because I'm definitely no doctor. Okay. No, got it. I just want to understand what that means for in case anyone in the audience is not aware of these kind of abbreviations. Sure. So to sum it up, you, this word was a word dedicated to your sales targets and sales performance. Uh, you put in the hours, you are a very organized individual compared in your work group and with the effort that it took strongly focusing on the actions and, and you took the time to perform in that way. Wow. Astonishing. So in that frame, you work in teams and you have a manager. So how does that work? Because normally managers have some quota of you as an individual and in their quota, right? Yeah. I think when I was an account executive, there was probably seven, eight people in our UK-based team. And then the manager would hold the collective number for those individuals. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me as an individual contributor, especially in an enterprise sales environment, they're typically quite complex and, and convoluted sales cycles with multiple stakeholders. For me, it's about being a really good middleman actually, and bringing in the right people at the right time. So you can do everything on your own. Um, it's probably going to be really tough. It's probably going to take you a little bit longer. Um, if you can bring in your solutions consulting team, your client success team, your value engineering team, if you can bring in the resources that you have at your fingertips, which let's face it, at larger companies you are going to have, at startups you, you may not, right? So you, you've got to use the resources that are at your fingertips and be um, you know, coordinating, if you will, from the center uh, and putting the right people in front of the right customer um, at, at the right time. And actually, to be honest, early in my career, I wasn't very good at that. I, I probably took too much on personally, actually, and I tried to wear seven or eight different hats when actually I should have been pulling in the people that are experts in that field. And that's definitely been a learning and development point for me. I'm actually probably still not very good at that. I'd say I've got marginally better over the years, but, but there's definitely people in, in our business that are infinitely better than me at this kind of stuff. So yeah, something I'm consistently working on, to, to be honest. Thank you for opening up about it and showing that side of yourself. When I look at management and now with the cumulative quota, so to speak, as a, as a manager, I ask myself, how do you support an individual contributor when this is a stellar seller always overperforming, but what is the next step? And it might be moving to a different organization, moving to a different department, or even becoming a team manager. But by supporting that individual, I heard my 
quota, I hurt my team goals. And then when the best team member on, on the sales quota and performance side reviewed or performed, uh, leaves, leaves my team, I have to look for a backfill. So how to balance personal manager interest and people development? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. And I think it's a, a challenge across virtually every team, across every company, actually. You know, they typically say, right, that the 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your people. So I guess you're you're referring to the 20% here, right? You're referring to that 20% and how do you... To the 2080 rule, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, how, how do you keep hold of those 20%? So I think firstly, look, we're all human, right? We're all human. And the way that I'm motivated is going to be different to somebody else in the team, the way that Marvin, you're motivated is going to be different to, to, to some of the guys that you work with. So I think it's important to understand from a personal point of view, what's important to that individual. Now, coming from sales, you know, you are going to have people that are, are heavily motivated financially, right? I think that's a given. You're going to have other people that are motivated by moving into management and helping other people you might have some people that are financially motivated, but not because they want to go and buy a nice watch or a nice car or a big house. It might be to secure their family or to help their children. So there's there's a number of different things that motivate people, right? And I think you, you kind of work back from that point. Where's that individual's goal? If I look at, you know, five, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years away, what what kind of event or what driving force are we kind of working backwards from? So I think you've got to understand that to understand where that individual is going and you can kind of help them on that journey. So if someone's actually, you know, completely financially motivated um, and, and that's all they care about, actually that career path is quite easy to help foster and develop because you're trying to push them in the direction of, of where they're going to make the most money and where they're going to make the biggest impact. If, if somebody wants to move into management or, or they want to move up through the hierarchy within the given organization, uh, again, I think as a manager, if you're really true to yourself, actually success is allowing people to move on beyond your team, actually. Now, sometimes that can be painful because they are top individuals, but I do firmly believe that, A, we work in a very small world in tech or the world that I, I work within. And these things have got a funny way of coming back around, right? So if you could help someone get to that next level, move beyond your team, you know, or, or even, I guess, in the extreme example, move externally, if, if you genuinely think in your heart of hearts, that's the best thing for that individual, bearing in mind that five, 10-year goal that we've spoken about and their personal drivers, you know, for me, that's what success looks like, actually. Um and like I've said, it's a small world, right? These things have got a funny way of, of coming back around. And actually, I think the interesting data point on this kind of stuff is when people come to you as a, as a manager or as a company and hand their notice in, the uh, statistic, I believe, and, and don't quote me on this, but if, if you manage to retain that individual, you know, you offer them a better contract, or you offer them more money, or, you know, you come to some level of compromise to retain that individual, I think it's something like 70% actually leave within 12 months anyway. So you, you're really kind of kicking the problem down the road, right? You're putting a plaster on something that may, needs a little bit more attention. So I think, yeah, that, that's super important. That's super important. And you've got to be pretty selfless with this type of stuff. And there's got to be a level of empathy that goes beyond 
you as a manager or, or your individual management goals, you know, for me, that's what kind of people management is, is truly, you know, all about, actually. It's really, really powerful what you say. And there are so many wise words I have to reiterate and reconsider. But I try to condense it, it that it's really not specifically not about the short term goal and getting getting the target or getting to the quota. It's much more the long term goal. And this is where the retention and the intrinsic motivation um, comes from. Once you dedicate yourself as a manager to the intrinsic motivation, um, it's it's a bigger game. It's the long term game, five to ten years. And it is a way different playground than targeting or, or getting the budget, getting the quarter in. Whereas this is a much, much rather short game, some people say, uh, or some people play. Yeah. Interesting perspectives. Wow. Thank you so much. Now, with, with that covered, I want to now focus on, on you and your career and specifically grasp these awards. Once you got them, there was probably an astonishing brand Dale with the recognition of the awards. How was that or how was, is your perspective on that? Did it help in your branding within the company? It's a good question. <laughs> um, I guess that's tough to answer in the sense that I suppose that's subjective and, and an opinion of others. And I, I probably wouldn't want to comment on if an individual outside of myself had you know, perceived me in a different light because I've won an award. Um, I think awards are great, right? And I, I think actually they're an important part of sales because, you know, typically, you know, none of us really work in a, in a nine to five environment. We're normally working, you know, long days into the evening, sometimes on weekends and and, and actually you put in those hard yards and, and, and actually as something as sort of trivial as a, as a bit of glassware, actually can give you that right okay that there's a reason i'm doing this you know there is um that there's a reward at the end of this that's that's not just possibly financial so yeah i, I do think there's a, a a place for awards for sure um i don't think awards can necessarily build your brand on their own so i think if we you know look at the sort of different personality types within sales i recently or, or a few years back even read the the challenger sale book And I quite like the four buckets of salespeople that they put people in, whether it's the challenger or the relationship builder or, um, uh, or, or any one of the four categories that they mention. Uh, and I think, you know, if you're kind of in that lone wolf category that, you know, performs actually to quite a high level, but is quite siloed in their approach, you know, you might win a ton of awards, but your brand might not necessarily be fantastic because you are a lone wolf, right? The kind of clues in the title there. Um, and, and, and yeah, not to say that that's a bad thing, right? Because they're actually one of the top performers when you look across the four categories. But I think, you know, for me, brand goes beyond just awards. It goes beyond how you interact with your colleagues um, and your customers and, and really little things. And this is going to sound slightly kind of contrived and a little bit cheesy, but actually just being pleasant and kind and polite and having manners, right? You know, the, this for me It is a big part of what, what I try to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and that's how, you know, colleagues are going to get the best out of me. You know, I'm willing to go and work all day on Saturday and all evening Sunday. If someone comes to me and says, look, I'd really appreciate a favor. Could you please help me? This is the impact. 
you know, I'm, I'm happy to go above and beyond to help that individual as long as, you know, we've had a pleasant conversation, you know, we've, we've got a bit of a relationship. Um, so I think, you know, really basic things around empathy and manners and being polite and those things for me help build someone's brand, right? Not just, yeah, they, they've smashed their number. You put me in the bad spotlight. Uh, I focus on the awards and did you focus on the long run and the big game about relationships, empathy, and the four different categories of, of successful sales individuals as the challenger approach advises or explains. Now, with, with all these things in mind, and, and I'm hearing a lot of times the, the over hours and, and the grind in, in the job um, or, or in the dedication, hearing a lot dedication relationship and and helping others what were your pain points for moving from an individual contributor to become a people manager and now being head of adobe sign sales division for different regions yeah good good question so i think i've done a, a few different roles in my time within sales across the last 10 11 years from you know effectively a business development rep through to mid-market through to enterprise sales and now you know through a couple of different management tiers and i would honestly say actually hand on heart the hardest transition which i guess is part of the reason that you've got a podcast on this topic marvin is going from an individual contributor to a manager i actually think personally that's the that's the hardest transition i found If I'm brutally honest with myself, when I, I suppose, made a play or, or made my intentions clear around wanting to move into management, looking back, was I ready? Actually, probably not. I probably had a few too many gaps. I probably, from a, an emotional intelligence or an EQ standpoint, probably needed to do a little bit of development. You know, I knew what I wanted. I was very laser focused on, on the goal, but I think the surrounding skills that I needed I probably was lacking in a few departments and actually it, it was tough for me, right? Because like you've said, you know, going back to the awards, I'd had, you know, a good number of years as an individual contributor, never missed my number or always overachieved. And yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not suggesting that was easy. There was, there was lots of hard work that went into that and sales obviously is continuously up and down, right? You know, one day it's a high, one day it's a low. So I'm not suggesting I had this really clear, you know, progression and easy path. It was tough along the way. But for the most part, I kind of didn't have too many troubles, uh, as it were. And I think I kind of hit a bit of a brick wall, had a bit of a realization that this next step wasn't going to happen when I wanted to. And I, I definitely struggled with that. I probably, the role that I wanted and the role that I eventually got probably came 18 months after when I'd have liked to have started it. Right. So mm -hmm. I kind of went for a year and a half where I definitely had a bit of an internal battle with myself around, you know, am I ready? What do I need to develop? Yeah. What do I need to do to kind of take that that next step? And I, I think I learned probably quite a lot actually in that 18 months. And I think looking back, it was probably the right thing for me. Actually, I think it kind of set me up for success. Um, if I was giving advice to to somebody that wants to make that transition, um, and again, I don't profess to be an expert in this area whatsoever, but I'm, I'm absolutely happy to share my personal experience. If, if I was to give some advice based on my experience, 
it, it would be be patient, actually. I can't believe I've just said that because I'm the least patient man on the planet. <laughs> so this is the pot, you know, calling the kettle black. But yeah, I think be patient. And I also think gain an understanding of, of where your perceived gaps are, right? So someone once said to me, perception is reality. And I really like that saying because it's so true, right? Someone's perception of how you are communicating or you as a person, that is their reality. You might not, do, you might not agree, right? You might not think that, that that's what's happening or, or you might not necessarily agree with, with, with the given feedback, but perception is reality. So I think if I was to have my time again and go back to that 18 month period, I probably would have asked for some 360 degree feedback from multiple different stakeholders. And I would have put maybe a little bit more of a structured plan in place to help me obtain the skills or obtain the knowledge or obtain the credibility needed to go and take that next step. I think that would be my advice. Seek feedback, really try to understand that perception is reality because actually 360 feedback sometimes is hard to take um, and be patient with it. I think those are the three things that I would do differently if, if, I, if I went back to that time. Well, so many questions unwind right now. The, the first one is, I love how you described right now your path and the 18 months. And I'm curious how the reflection came to you. Was someone open about how they perceived you or did you have the crushing feedback of, no, you don't get the role? When did this reflection came or transformed, evolved into okay, these 18 months, I take these 18 months now to really develop myself. Yeah. So that th there was no feedback, actually. And, and that was on me, right? That That's my mistake, because you're responsible for your own development, right? I, I do firmly believe that. And I didn't actively seek that feedback out. So like I've said, going back on reflection, I would do that, right? But I didn't at the time. So for want of a better phrase, I kind of had to figure it out on my own, really. Um, I think on reflection, to answer your question directly, how did I come to this realization? I've worked over the last 11 years for some really good leaders and some really good managers um, and, you know, multiple different um, qualities and personality traits and approaches that I think, oh, you're, you know, you're really good at this. So I think if I take two or three things from each of the really good leaders that I've worked for and go, right, how do I do that? How do I copy that? How do I become good at what they're good at? If, if I, you know, was to let's say, if I listed the top 10 traits of those individuals, if I look back and I'd scored myself on those 10 attributes, you know, at the beginning of that 18 months that we've discussed, I probably would have scored myself quite low. Right. So oh. I think I'm, I'm, taking the best attributes from everybody that I've worked for and I've interacted with over the years and kind of looking back on reflection and going, do you know what? Actually, I, I probably had more gaps than I thought. I love that exercise. So look back at the leaders you worked with and what you most anticipated as attributes and skills and then rate yourself and compare yourself with them. And then boom. You have your perception in these things and only your point of view in that. But I love this kind of wheel uh, of attributes you can improve. So that's a great exercise to get going. And then you said 
a lot of times this 360 feedback or 360 approach. Can you elaborate what that means? Because maybe if you never heard of what 360 degree feedback means. Yeah, sure. So again, I might butcher the definition here of 360 degree feedback, but in my mind, what does that mean? So in the context that I currently work in, 360 degree feedback is not just feedback from your immediate peers or your immediate manager. It's actually the supporting functions and the teams that you work with. So you might ask for some feedback from your client success team. You might ask for feedback from your solutions consulting business unit or your professional services business unit. You might even ask for some customer feedback, right? You know, how do I interact with you as a salesperson? Um, so it's gaining feedback from different divisions within your business, right? Um, because again, like I've said, perception is reality. You know, you mentioned the word brand earlier and your brand transcends your immediate team. So I think you've got to gain feedback from a, from a larger subset of people. Um, again, it's very easy in these scenarios to go and ask your, your best friend in the office, right, can you fill in some feedback for me? Because you know it's going to come back. Oh, you know, you're brilliant at everything, right? That's kind of pointless, to be honest, right? What you're actually looking for is really constructive feedback across, like I've said, a, a larger data set across a number of different divisions. And I think that gives you the best set of data to work from. And, and you try and pick the kind of commonality across the answers, right? If if one person says, you know, we think, I'm trying to think of a good example. We think your emotional intelligence is really bad, right? If one person out of 15 flags that and says that's a real development area, you might go, okay, well, that's their reality, right? So I've got to accept that that opinion. Their perception of, of me having low EQ is their reality. So actually, maybe I've got some work to do with that individual. But if it's only one person out of 15, you kind of might not necessarily have that as one of your top development areas. If 13 people out of 15 say, you know, you've got the development area of X, right? you know there's a large subset of people, a large portion or percentage of that data that, that's flagging the same thing, right? So, you know, that should be very, very high up on your, your kind of things to work on because clearly there is some con commonality uh, amongst the people that are giving you that feedback. So therefore, there's a very, very high chance that that, that is, uh, yeah, an area that you really do need to, to delve into and, and work on. Thank you so much for explaining and unraveling the 360 degree feedback. And do you do you do that on your own then, or do you ask someone else to go around and ask for feedback? Because it's something different if you ask me directly, and I'm insecure about how you take my feedback. Yeah. And I would be much more open to give uh, more, even 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 more constructive feedback to yeah. a third individual who is not you because it might be emotionally charged yeah. in a way? Yeah, no, a good question. And I think, I mean, there's different ways of, of achieving this result, but I think uh, anonymizing this probably will give you a better data set. And I think, yeah, probably go to your manager or a trusted senior leader within your business and ask them to help coordinate this for you. There are many, many tools in the marketplace that you can use for this. And it could be something as simple as a survey monkey. It could be built into Workday. 
there's there's executive coaching tools such as Pluma. You know, there's a long list of tools that you can use for this type of feedback. You know, it could be as simple as an Excel document, right? I mean, your options are endless here. But I think, yeah, I definitely agree. Keep the feedback anonymous. Have a wide data set, i.e. a number of different people within a number of different divisions, and get one of your managers to coordinate that on your behalf. Um, they can collate the feedback and, again, look at the commonality across the answers and help give you that constructive feedback. And, and then you use that for your individual development plan moving forward and try to set some some smart goals around how you can use that feedback to become better and, and possibly move in the direction that you want to move in. With this statement, I want to close out our today's podcast and go for a quick recap. We spoke about your role and experience as an individual contributor and your 18 months of reflection to actually transforming from a no to people management to a yes um, and becoming a people manager. And that this ticket of, of or, or this, this performance review and the contribution of winning a, an award is not an, a golden ticket to the next level. It's actually much more than that. And I really enjoyed that a big factor of it is empathy and relationship building and much more, uh, which, which you unraveled in our podcast today. And then we quickly moved along towards your recap of your 18 months and reflection skills that actually helped you unraveling what you can improve on. And I loved your explanation on the 360 feedback. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for our podcast today. No, no problem. I am. Um, yeah. I hope this can be useful to, even if it's one person, it's definitely worth the uh, half an hour investment we've put in here. Right. So um, yeah, I hope it's useful for someone out there. Um, if anybody's got any questions, you're more than welcome to connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Um, certainly happy to try and help. As I've said, do not profess to have all the answers at all, um, but I'm more than happy to share with you my personal experiences. So uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the New Tech Lead Podcast. This interview was presented to you by Marvin and the New Tech Lead Production Team. Special thanks to our guest and interview partner. Follow us for more podcasts, Check us out on LinkedIn or visit our website, newtechlead.com. Happy learning and leading. Cheers.